Hello, I'm Javis Lewis and in this episode and the following episodes we're going to talk about lighting in DAS Studio. It's been a long time coming and it's a difficult subject to explain, which is why I've decided to split this part of the series into several parts. This one serves as an introduction and the types of lighting that are available and we'll also talk about how to reset our basic DAS Studio scene so that we can start setting our own lights and see the effects of them. Then we're going to move on and talk about parametric lights and those are the ones that you can create from the menu. We're saying uh, create a spotlight, create a distant light, create a point light. Those are kind of parametric lights and we're going to talk about that in the next episode. Then we're also going to talk about image-based lighting or HDRI lighting and those are things that are created with an image that is projected on the inside of a dome that encapsulates our scene. So that's another episode that we're going to talk about in a moment. And then the last one we're going to talk about is mesh lighting. And those are things that are emissive surfaces. So any object that you create can be turned into an emissive light source. So that's another thing we're going to talk about. I have a dedicated tutorial for that coming up. What makes this such a complex topic is the fact that not only do we have these various types of lighting, we also have two render engines to contend with and each render engine deals with lighting slightly differently. So I'm going to have another tutorial that will just be about 3D light lighting. So these next few tutorials will be dealing with iRay lighting and then we're going to also deal with 3D light lighting separately. So in essence, lighting works by any light hitting an object and light that is hitting that, that surface of the object is either reflected or absorbed. And depending on how much is reflected is the effect that we actually see. So light would come in here and then reflects into our eyes or into the camera. And that is what the 3D render engine sees. So a surface like this is defined differently than a surface like that. And that's the reason why they look differently. One reflects blue, one reflects red. But there's other surface properties that we can set. For example, a surface could be shiny or it could be matte or it could be transparent or it could be semi-transparent and there could be something else going on underneath and all those things. Or like I said with the mesh lights, the surface could in fact emit light itself and be a light source by itself. So that's what makes this a very complex and dense subject matter, which also means we're going to have to think about how the render engine itself deals with all these things, because at the end of the day, all these things are trickeries to create a two-dimensional image of a three-dimensional world. We never really see anything in 3D. This is all a, a 2D image that we're creating, and it's a 2D monitor that we're looking at our scene with. Depending on the render engine that we use, the surfaces are defined very differently. So imagine you had the Blender program and Blender renders in the Cycles rendering engine and you had DAS Studio. And DAS Studio has a choice of two render engines, which is the iRay render engine and it's the 3D Light render engine. So if we take Blender into the consideration, then we also have the, the Cycles render engine there. And then maybe we have the Firefly render engine from Poser and then we have the Carrara render engine and also for these are all different types of engines that define surfaces very differently and before we even get started with lighting let's just have a quick look at surfaces and see how you can tell just for the sake of DAS Studio's sake what is defined as a 3D light surface and what is defined as an iRay surface because depending on that lighting will work very differently. 
I've got this little retro scene here and that's just the texture shaded view that we can see here now. And I can switch that over to the iRay view to just have a quick look at what this would look like rendered. So we've got these these colorful objects here this one's a little bit transparent these two are reflective this one doesn't seem to do very much and the floor here is also reflective and it is reflective and it has a pattern to it so those are all things that we can set with surfaces and depending on the light source that you have the surfaces will react differently with that now one important thing to remember is which surface is defined for iRay and which is defined for 3D Light and how can we convert them? Well, we'll talk about that as well. So uh, first of all, let's select any of these objects here, maybe this cone in the middle. Let's select that and head over to the Surfaces tab. I've already got mine open. If yours isn't open, you can find that under Windows, Panes, and then somewhere at the bottom is Surfaces. So open that up, dock it somewhere, and then take a look at it. Surfaces tab has several tabs on its own at the top here. One is the editor tab and one is the presets tab. Let's have a look at the editor tab first. Sometimes it comes up like this. So with whatever object is selected here, that is the object that you can select over here. And when you select that and open that little disclosure triangle up here, then you see the surfaces that are currently defined on that object. So one object could have more than one surface. In our case, that's not, that's not the case because we're only dealing with a primitive, but if you're dealing with an item of clothing, then one could be defined as a collar and one could be defined as the buttons and there could be maybe a belt. And those are all types of surfaces that could be defined. And usually they have better names than just default. So if you open that surface up, you see the surface properties down here. So you can see them in this very long list over here, but you also see these split up into several parts and pieces here. If we just stick with the top one that lets us view all this in a the, in the very long list, then we see we have got something called general, we've got base, metallic flakes, and it is about lighting, don't worry about it, I will get to the point. I just wanted to show you, let's just remember the first three here, general, base, metallic flakes, and perhaps top coat as well. And that is true for this object that I've currently selected. If I select another one, maybe this one here, the, the um, sphere, then I open that up and I can see it has the same items here. But if I select my torus at the front here, you can see that those items change, those properties change here. I've got general lines, diffuse and opacity. And that is not what I have when I select my sphere or my cone here, because I have general base metallic flakes. So what that tells me is that these objects here, the cone and the sphere are defined to be used with iRay and the torus is defined to be used with 3D Light. And those are different properties and the iRay engine can't really deal with the surface descriptions of the 3D Light engine and vice versa. It'll somehow, something will be reproduced so you will see the object like the torus here, I can see it in the scene, but it's not something that is perhaps defined as what this actually looks like in the surface properties because those parameters are totally alien to the render engine. You can think of this as a language, really it is a language, it's a kind of a programming language in which the render engine interprets the language that's defined on the object. So imagine there be Chinese and the render engine only speaks English, it goes, sorry, I can't make head or tail of it at all. 
And that's exactly what that's like. It's basically a language. And they do have names, by the way. So for the IRA rendering engine, these surface properties, they're defined in what's known as the material definition language. And the ones for the 3D light render engine, they're called they're defined in the render man shading language. So MDL versus RSL, those are the abbreviations for that. And what that means is that an object that's defined for 3D light will react differently to light than an object that's defined for iRay if it's not set to the correct render engine. So that's what makes this all a little bit difficult and it's important to understand that. Now, when you create a new primitive with this menu here, create new primitive, then it really depends on which version of DAS Studio you're using, depending on how the object is going to be defined. So if you create this in DAS Studio 4.10, no matter which render engine you use, which, which render engine you've selected, it'll always be created with the surface properties for 3D Light in DAS Studio 4.10. Whereas when you create it in DAS Studio 4.11, then the object will be defined with the iRay surface properties. It's something that they've, that they've added there. And that's important to remember because if you do find an object like this one, like Matoras, that is defined for the 3D light surface properties, you have an option to change them, to turn them over, to kind of translate them into the material definition language. And you do that by selecting the object, selecting the surface, and then you head over to presets, and under shaders, you'll find iRay. And in iRay, you find the first shader that's defined here, which is the exclamation mark iRay Uber Base. And when you double click that, then those surface properties will change. Let's just go one more time. Let's go one more time back here and see general lines diffuse. And we go over and double click that. That's to be thinks about it for a second. And if we go back into the editor, now we have general base metallic flakes top coat. So that's now got the material definition language on there. Just thought I'd mention that before we get started with lighting. So make sure if we're in iRay, make sure all your objects are defined with the material definition language so that they have the iRay surface properties so that a light can react properly with them. So that's very important and that's what makes this very, very complex. Let's do away with this scene. I'm going to go and switch over to my texture shaded view and I'm going to go and create a brand new scene here. File, new. I don't want to save this and we get a brand new scene. Now I'm using DAS Studio 4.11 so I don't have to worry about this but if you do follow along and you're using DAS Studio 4.10 make sure you switch over those materials that we're going to create with the primitives that we're going to bring in now. So let's start afresh and let's see how lighting in DAS Studio works in principle. Because there are, there are more pitfalls along the way. If you think you're going mad, you're not. There's, there's an explanation for everything. Let's create a plane. So create new primitive and let's go bring in a plane. And that'll serve as our ground. So size 30 meters is probably a great idea. That's just that, that black thing on the bottom here. And that's just you know our floor right now. I might just uh, rename that and call it, call it floor. There we go. And so that we can demonstrate light a little bit better, let's bring in something like an actor. It doesn't have to be a character. You can feel free to bring in a character, but I think we're going to go and just create another primitive. Perhaps we're going to bring in a sphere here. That's just the default size. That's perfect. Okay, so this is now my scene, the sphere and 
a ground. And if we go and look at those things, I should see that they have the material definition language, i.e. the definitions for the NVIDIA iRay rendering engine, general base, metallic flakes, top coat, and so forth. And the same is true with, for the sphere. Let's just double check that. Yes, it's also true. Very good. So let's switch the viewport over into NVIDIA iRay and have a look what the scene looks like so far. Now, you recall that all I did here to make this appear is to bring in two primitives. Technically and logically, I shouldn't be seeing any of those things because technically I didn't bring in any lights into the scene. Yet quite clearly I can see stuff, so there must be some light in the scene that, that makes these things appear because if I, I don't know, put this in a dark room and look at it, I see blackness, I don't see anything. So therefore I should be seeing black stuff and I don't see that. Uh, quite the opposite, I see some reflections here. I can see that the sphere is reflected in the floor and I can also see that the sphere is casting a shadow this way. So that tells me, and I can also see a kind of a hot spot around the sphere about here. So that tells me that there is a light source in my scene, at least one, that'll, that comes from here and that uh, this part of the sphere here reflects the light that's coming in from here. And there's also some kind of shadow going on that is, of course, created by my object. So where do these things come from? Because if we want to set our own lights and if we want to understand lights, then we need to understand what's already in the scene and how to remove it or how to tweak it, how to adjust it. Well, there's actually two things in the scene. And let's talk about the first one first. It's kind of a convenience thing to make our lives really easy because if we put items in the scene we don't see anything well that's not really good so we'd have to bring in some kind of default lighting to be able to see anything so that's the reason why these two light sources are in there the first one is something called the environment light and we're going to talk about this in more detail going forward but uh, just now know where that is it's in render settings on the environment tab and there's something here that's called the environment map. If you hover over that, this is actually the image that is projected onto the inside of a dome that is very large. And it's kind of, we can't, we, I mean, we see it here. This is the image, the, the yellowish thing at the horizon here. That is technically the image here. Um, but it's so fuzzy and so far away. Uh, the, the dome, we can never really go to it. We can, we can just know that it's there. And the inside of the dome reflects that picture that we see there onto our scene. And that is now creating this light. So the hotspot, that is the light source that we currently see. And that's the light source that's coming in from the right here and causes the shadow on the left from our sphere. If we wanted to switch that off, all we need to do is switch the environment map to zero. It's not enough to remove the picture. We have to literally turn this value off and switch it to zero. And then we see something that's much more you know, dim and less fun than it was before. You can increase and decrease the intensity, but to switch it off completely, set this value to zero. If you want to bring it back, just hit that little gear icon and click reset. And then that environment map is back. You can also exchange that, but again, we're going to talk about that in a different video. So for now, let's just go and switch it off. 
Now, technically, this should remove all lights from the scene, but it's not the case. We can still see that, I mean, I can still see my sphere. It's less pronounced and it doesn't have, doesn't seem to have that many funky reflections anymore. It still has some kind of a hotspot here, right in the center, like a very, very tiny hotspot. And it has some kind of a reflection at the floor here on the bottom. So that still means we still have some kind of light in our scene. And that's true, it's called the headlamp. The headlamp is something sometimes also known as preview lights. It is something, if you imagine an old style television news camera, they have these big Betamax camera or Betacam cameras on their shoulders. And usually on the top, there was a hot light that would shine right from the camera into people's faces. And the, the reason for that is much like on a flashlight on a normal camera, that no matter where you point the camera, there's always gonna be light there that's coming from the same perspective as where you're looking from. So a bit like the concept of the miners, the coal miners with a lamp on the hard hats. That's exactly the same principle. And that is exactly what's going on here. And you can see the effects of that if you move around your object. So if I look at it from the top, then I can see that there appears to be light at the floor now, at the bottom of our scene. So perhaps with the default shader, not that noticeable. But if I turn the, if I turn over here, then it looks like there's not that much light in these parts as there is when I look at it from the top. Now there seems to be light behind the sphere, but when I look at it from the front, that doesn't seem to be the case anymore. It seems to be dark behind the sphere. So you can experiment with a few shaders here. If I go and uh, if I go and change the floor shader to something under the surface tab with the surface selected here, the default surface under presets, I can go into my iRay shaders and perhaps turn this into an orange car paint. So now we have this orange car paint on the bottom here. And now if I go and look at it from the front here, from the, sorry, from the top here, then I can see that there is a lot of light being cast around my sphere. But then when I look at it from the front, then it looks like I don't see those orange reflections. I only see them when I look at it from the top. And that tells you there's something going on from exactly from where I'm looking, which also explains these little hotspots here. Those are reflections caused by the light that is currently mounted onto where, wherever I'm looking from. We have this effect both in the perspective view as well as cameras that we create. And those work slightly different. So let me just go into that as well while, while we're here. Why not, why, not, why not cover that as well? If we go and create a new camera and just uh, copy the active view here, then we have the, both the perspective view and we have the camera to choose from. So if I go switch over to my camera, I don't see a ma major difference here, but that's because they're currently looking at the same item. So if I go and zoom out perhaps, and then you know look at this from the top like so, I can see that all this yellowish glow here, that's now caused by the headlamp that's on top of my camera. And I'm showing you this in a camera because it's easier for me to switch the headlamp on and off in a camera. And I'll do that by heading either over to the cameras tab and then heading over to the headlamp tab. Or I can also get to the same parameters if I select the camera and then go into the parameters tab. There's the same stuff here. So I can go camera and there's headlamp. So those are the same parameters. It's just sometimes nicer to have a dedicated camera panel. So I'm gonna use the camera panel here. And in headlamp, I've got these options here. I've got auto on and off. 
And on and off is fairly self-explanatory. On is what we're seeing right now. The headlamp is on, so we see this orange spill here. But if I switch this off, then there's no light in there. And that means the headlamp is now off. And this is now what I'm expecting to see. I haven't put any lights into the scene and the result is a completely black scene. That's not very useful, but at least it makes sense. These other two things, if I didn't know about them, they didn't really make sense to me, unless I have a reasonable explanation, which, you know, that's where documentation would perhaps come in handy, but hmm. One can hope, one can hope. There we go. So this is the headlamp on and off, but there's also this other function here, auto. And auto means there will be a headlamp as a little helper tool on this camera active, unless I add parametric lights to my scene. And parametric lights are coming up in the next episode. For now, those are lights that I can create by using the menu, by using create, add, say a new point light. Look what happens with the orange spill here. Well, we just we just had it there. If I just move it back to here, if I if I create a new light like this, new spotlight, new point light, doesn't matter any of these. Like, let me use a new new point light for this. As soon as I create one, watch what happens. I'll just go and say the default settings are fine. Boom, black scene. So, adding a new light to our scene with this auto headlamp feature activated means it will now switch itself off as as long as there's a light in the scene now this is only for parametric lights not for mesh lights just remember that uh, mesh lights work differently mesh lights don't really count as lights i believe in in das studio it's one of those weird things there I can still override that. I can now go and, and switch my headlamp on if I wanted to do that, or I can manually switch it off. But as soon as it's in auto and there's a light source, I don't get the headlamp feature. Now, if I go and select my point light here in the scene and I go and delete it, headlamp feature comes back. How's that working for you? Anyway, so this is how this auto feature works. In the perspective view, it's different. If I'm in the perspective view, and actually it is, it's similar, it's just this, this setting is kind of in a different place. If I'm back in my perspective view, and I'm gonna look at it from the front here, from the top of the sphere, so I get this orange spill to illustrate the headlamp feature. If I go and create that point light again, now with the default settings, I also get a black scene. But since I don't have the cameras tab or the parameters tab to switch this on and off, where's that thing hiding then? Well, it is under render settings. That's another thing to remember. Once you're in the perspective view, in the render settings, you can head over to general and on the general tab, you can see this feature that's called auto headlamp. Yeah, I believe you can split that up as well. And there's misc. I think this is, yeah, it's under the misc tab, but it's also under the general tab at the very bottom here. Either way will work fine. We'll just whittle this down so that it makes it you know, easy on our tired brains here. And we've got this thing called auto headlamp. And it says when no scene lights are in the scene or never. So those are my two options. I can either never have auto headlamp or I have it when there's no scene lights in the scene. So in my case, this is the same as auto on the camera and this is the same as off on the camera. There's no way to switch this on if you're in the IRA viewport here. So I either have the option to switch it off completely or just switch it to auto essentially when there's no scene lights. That's one thing we needed to talk about.
The other is what happens if we're not in the iRay viewport. That's another thing that's slightly confusing. If we're on the texture shaded viewport or any of the other options here, then it looks like we don't really, first of all, we don't get to see what the scene actually looks like. We get an approximation in another render engine, which is the third render engine, which is the OpenGL render engine that gives us the live preview. So if I select my sphere and I move it for, forward or backwards, it does this in, in real time. And this is actually my, my point light here. I'm just going to remove that so that we're just left with, a, with the sphere here. So um, this thing about the auto headlamp works in the OpenGL viewport for the perspective viewport, for the texture shaded viewport just as well. If I were to have no scene lights in the scene, I do see a bit of a preview light and it works the same way. We can see this hotspot here and no matter which way I look at it onto my sphere, I always get this hotspot in the middle of the sphere and that's exactly the same headlamp. Sure, it doesn't give the same render results, but the principle applies just the same. Watch what happens when I bring back my point light with create new point light. I just go apply the default settings, boom, I get more or less a black scene. I've moved my sphere over from the middle viewport here. So if I had not done that, it would be, it would probably just look like that, which would be again, a black or more or less like a black scene. If I move that forward a little bit, I can see that the point light has an effect in the texture shaded view as well. It's an approximation once again, but it does have an effect. So that's good to know. That's good to know. But I can't, I can barely make out the outline if it wasn't for the, for the horrendous red that the preview is now showing me on the floor here. I can barely make out the outline of my sphere. And that's another option that we have here, which is the preview lights. So preview lights, let me show you where they are. They're under window preview lights and uh, you can switch them on and off. You can also do that with the shortcut control L for lights. So if I do that, if I toggle them over, then no matter if there's lights in my scene or not, I will always get the impression of my objects with the headlamp. So this is kind of a headlamp feature on and off with control L using my, um, using my texture shaded view. Yeah, so that red is perhaps not the best shader to demonstrate this with, but you get the idea, I guess. So it's, uh, it's flickering all over the place. Yeah, I don't really know why that is. So if ever you find yourself in a situation where you add scene lights and you're in the texture shaded view and your view looks like this and you can barely make out your objects, hit Control L or head over to Window and toggle the preview lights on and off. So that's a headlamp feature there hidden for the texture shaded view. That's it for this episode. We've talked about how to get started with lighting, many of the lighting concepts, how it all works. And now we're going to delve into, now that we've reset our scene so that we understand what lights are in there and we can understand how to switch them off so we can start playing with our own lights. Let's talk about parametric lights in the next episode. I'll see you then.